This is the Citizen of Heaven podcast number 216, The Bad Future. I'm Hal Hammonds, Citizen of Heaven, your embedded correspondent in Satan's world. Thanks for listening, rating, and subscribing. I have good news and I have bad news. Please come back next week for the good news, which I'm very excited about. But the bad comes first. This week we will cover the church so sick it thinks it's healthy, one man's effort to blame religion for everything, the trendsetters of our culture and how they are setting us all up for disaster, and my 48-hour experiment with the ultimate in isolationism. We'll start with what I've been preaching. Revelation 3, verses 14 through 22 reads, To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, The Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God, says this, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing. And you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may become rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed. And I salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love I reprove and discipline. Therefore be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. He who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. It's easy to assume that poverty leads to sin. But the Bible seems more concerned with the opposite scenario. Those who reject righteousness because of their wealth. It's like the Laodiceans were saying of themselves, I have need of nothing. But they were lying to themselves. In fact, they needed everything that was truly important. You can look at that even by looking at the physical things Laodiceans had. What were they bragging about? Three things, money, nice clothes, and good health care. Laodicea was the banking capital of Asia. The city even financed its own reconstruction after a major earthquake. The lamb's wool harvested from area sheep was of exquisite quality, helping them produce some of the best cloth in the world. And people would travel for hundreds of miles to be treated in Laodicea, especially for eye problems. Those are all significant things, to be sure. You know what it seems they didn't have? Water. They had to pipe in hot water from the springs in Hierapolis or cold water from Colossae. And when it arrived, both hot and cold had lost their remarkable properties. It was all lukewarm. But in their minds, the Laodiceans were doing great. No wonder they thought they could prosper without the word of life as well. A society that prides itself on externalities is doomed to fail. And when the church fails to distinguish itself from the world, those same externalities will doom the church. It happened in Laodicea, and it will happen in your hometown today. It's happening now. I shudder to even estimate how many modern-day Laodicean churches are out there today, especially in America. The good news is Jesus is still knocking. He is still offering the true blessings of life. But we have to be self-aware enough to recognize our failures and spiritual enough to care and humble enough to welcome him in. Crazy things happen to rich people who let Jesus in their houses. Zacchaeus wound up giving much of his wealth away. Simon the Pharisee got a tongue lashing simply for trying to shield Jesus from contact with a sinful woman. Caiaphas maintained his principles and sent Jesus out to die. 
and crazy things may very well happen to you as well. The craziest of all, though, may very well be the exact thing you need the most. Jesus has a way of doing that, doesn't he? Before telling the story about a rich farmer who trusted in his wealth, just after a young man asked him to help with an inheritance squabble, Jesus said, Beware and be on your guard against every form of greed. For not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. Luke twelve fifteen. Don't make the mistake of assuming the quality of your life is measured in dollars. Your life is Christ, as Paul wrote in Philippians 1, 21. That's the richest life you can find. In fact, the only way you can improve on it, Paul said, is by dying. Rejoice in that life and make the most of it. This is what I've been reading. The key to the survival of the human race, according to Sam Harris, is the abolition of all religion. Until we banish all speculation, superstition, and spirituality, we are doomed to fight and quarrel. And in the nuclear age, when we are amply equipped with means to annihilate one another, we are destined to do so. This is the premise of Harris's book, The End of Faith. Harris has gotten a lot of attention in recent years as part of the so-called intellectual dark web. He, Ben Shapiro, Jordan Peterson, Joe Rogan, and a host of others like getting together and talking about big concepts, the bigger the better, with little hope of actually coming to an agreement. The free exchange of ideas, which is seen far too seldom in our day, is the whole point. That said, Mr. Harris thinks he is right as much as any of the rest of them. He is as evangelistic about atheism as Dennis Prager, for instance, is about theism. He didn't convince me, as you likely have already assumed. Here are a few reasons why. One, he refuses to distinguish between faith and blind faith. He cites Hebrews 11.1 1 and tries to argue that faith, since it rests on things hoped for, is by its nature insubstantial. It is what prompted the Crusades and snake handling and mass suicides, events driven by people believing something simply because they wanted to. He cites the Heaven's Gate cult as an example. They believed the spacecraft that would convey them all to heaven was in the tail of the Hale-Bopp comet and purchased a $4,000 telescope to watch it, then returned the telescope as defective because they couldn't see the spacecraft. Blind faith is bad, and those predicting specific outcomes from the words of the Bible or any other book are either delusional or charlatans. But the fringe elements do not define the entire class. Harris disputes this point, though. He argues that the so-called moderates in the various religious movements give air and space to the extremists, that it's an inevitable result. And he may be right about that. Maybe you can't have Billy Graham without Joseph Smith, any more than you can have Martin Luther King Jr. without Malcolm X. But to equate the good and the evil done in Jesus' name is farcical. I'm not in a position to dispute similar charges regarding Islam, for instance, but the number of people fed, clothed, healed, educated, and loved by Christians over the past 2,000 years absolutely dwarfs the number who have been tormented, tortured, and killed by Christians. I'm not saying one person saved negates the impact of one person destroyed, but Harris seems to be saying one person destroyed negates 10 people saved. For someone who worships at the altar of reason, that seems a remarkably unreasonable position to take. Along the same lines, Harris is determined to ignore the rational arguments for God. In fact, I'm not sure he even acknowledges that such arguments could exist. Rationalism takes us away from the supernatural. God is supernatural. Therefore, there could be no real scientific arguments that could support the existence of God. I'm putting words in his mouth here, and I acknowledge that. But he put words in my mouth for the better part of 250 pages, so I hope he will excuse me. The fact is, 
Hundreds of arguments have been made over the years by observers all over the intellectual spectrum that make the case for God in general and the Bible in particular. I'm sure Mr. Harris would reject them all, as is his right, but he is disingenuous to imply that they do not exist at all. I won't get into it here, but visit websites such as Bible.ca, AnswersInGenesis.com, ICR.org, and a host of others. You'll find records of inconsistencies in the geological record that cast doubts on the standard dating processes, logical and scientific flaws in the evolution model of origins, records of one Bible account after another being debunked by science only to have the same scientists backtrack and acknowledge the Bible's been right all along. I don't want to sound like atheists have cornered the market on ego. Some of the biggest egotists I've ever seen wore the name of Jesus Christ. But it must be said, there is something remarkable about someone essentially arguing that something beyond the scope of their own comprehension could not possibly be true. Atheists are quick to point out that modern technology dropped into middle-aged society would result in charges of witchcraft for whoever was unlucky enough to have been closest to the landing spot. And they're right. The level of understanding was comparatively low back then. More knowledge would have led to more understanding, assuming they could manage to wrap their minds around the concept. Evolutionists refuse to put themselves in that same position, though. They, too, are in the presence of a knowledge beyond their capacity. And instead of admitting their own limitations, they want to burn the heretics at the stake. If that sounds like an unfair accusation, I ask you, why did he entitle his book The End of Faith? It's worth noting that Harris makes the case for torture in extreme situations. He's perfectly okay with extreme measures toward a handful of bad apples, if it promotes the survival of the whole. Makes me wonder, if he thinks faith is what will destroy society, what would he be willing to do to the faithful if he had the opportunity? This is what I've been hearing. Originally, the term cutting edge simply referred to the part of the knife or axe that actually got the job done. The closely related term leading edge has its origins in shipbuilding. When screw propellers became the way ships were driven through the water, it quickly became evident that the leading edge, the part that would be cutting through the water, needed to be as sharp as possible to reduce drag. Special attention needs to be paid to the part of the device that is breaking new ground. It literally plows the way for the rest of the device. Cutting edge and leading edge are typically terms immediately followed by the word technology. As such, things that are cutting edge are seen as naturally and almost invariably positive. You may or may not buy the latest iPhone the day it comes out, but we can agree either way that moving technology forward is a good thing. And it's a relatively safe assumption that the innovators in Silicon Valley or Seattle, or right down the road from me in Austin, are paving the road for the rest of humanity. Even the biggest Luddite in the room will admit Cutting-edge technology will determine the course of our culture. And even the biggest Luddite in the world will also admit, most people think that's a good thing. I have some concerns about that, some of which I've already touched on this month. Mostly, though, I'm not going to get worked up about it. If you trust in the name of the Lord your God, as we read in Psalm 20, verse 7, the quality of the world's horses and chariots becomes a lot less important. However, the concept of the cutting edge applies, at least in the mind of some, to cultural matters as well. And over the last century or so, we have seen deep, deep cuts in mainstream American society. Take homosexuality, for example, unmentionable once, eventually normalized, and currently, I would argue, lionized. Divorce was once a rare exception and an embarrassment under the most justified of circumstances. The language of our culture has coarsened every generation to the point where many people professing to be Christians see no reason why they should not live in the same linguistic gutter as the most godless of sinners. 
pop quiz millennials, when people first started saying that things suck, do you know what they were referring to? Think about it. The current conversation over transsexuality has taken it to a whole other level. A tiny percentage of Americans are on board with people and even children deciding that their biological, anatomical, and chromosomal identity is actually incorrect. Even the most generous of estimations indicate that. Yet everywhere you look, people who usually deify science are absolutely thumbing their noses at the most basic scientific information in the world. Where does it start? Where is the cutting edge of cultural evolution? Two candidates emerge from the pack. The most obvious is academia. An increased emphasis on the need for a college education neatly coincides with a near-absolute takeover of our universities by atheistic humanists. Combine eager, inquisitive minds with knowledgeable authority figures who largely control the students' professional careers, and then mix in the suppression of contrary points of view in places where free speech once was the most valued principle of all, and you get a perfect cocktail for cultural decay. I think that's a pretty compelling case. But personally, I prefer the second candidate, the entertainment media. For my entire life, people have paid more attention to television and the movies than anything else, including their teachers. When the concerted powers of Hollywood spend 50 years promoting a lifestyle that is increasingly contrary to the will of God, and unwitting Christians gobble it up without a care in the world, bad things will happen. As Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15.33, bad company corrupts good morals. It is often observed that the church is a step behind culture on the same road of depravity. What culture tolerates, we condemn. What culture permits, we tolerate. What culture approves, we permit. What culture promotes, we approve. Until and unless we recognize this process, we are doomed to participate in it, to our own destruction, and certainly to the destruction of generations to come. It's not enough to recognize and condemn cutting-edge depravity. If that's our focus, we've already surrendered the real fight. The problem is not transgenderism or divorce or even bad parenting. The problem is our culture does not embrace the authority of God. When God is not acknowledged as creator, sovereign, and judge, we assume those roles ourselves. The depravity we see in the world around us is not the problem. It is the result. I don't flatter myself that my little podcast can help reverse a cultural tidal wave, but it is entirely possible for one listener, such as yourself, to recommit to godly values and behaviors. You may not be able to stem the tide of society, but you can write the ship in your own life and in the lives of your loved ones. Do as Paul urged Timothy to do in 1 Timothy 4.12. In speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity, show yourself an example of those who believe. They'll make all the difference in the world for you. And it might even make a difference in the world itself. This is what I've been playing. My story begins with when I was hacked on Facebook. And when I say hacked, I mean I was hacked, but good. My entire homepage was hijacked. All my contact information was changed, making it impossible to reassert control. I started a new page and told everyone I knew to accept the real me and unfriend the fake me. And then Facebook saw me as a menace and shut down my new page completely. Well played, Mr. Hacker. Anyway, I was told that Oculus, which is essentially made by Facebook, has a stronger identity protection algorithm. In theory, I could set up as the old me on Oculus and then reclaim my identity on Facebook. So I trundled down to Best Buy and paid $450 for a gaming system and four basic games to play on it. Alert the media, Hal Hammond's famous tightwad laid out half a thou for the ugliest pair of glasses in the world. I should say, first of all, Oculus is pretty amazing. Essentially, it's a virtual reality device. 
It transports the user to a world in which you get to be a Jedi master, defending himself against terrible pop music. Slice through the notes in tempo, and you're rewarded by being forced to listen to another song, even worse than the previous one. That's not exactly how the game is described in the literature, but it's close enough for our purposes. The family and I played around with it for an evening, and then the newness wore off. And as soon as I realized I wasn't going to get my Facebook identity back after all, I put Oculus back in the box and returned it. I had 14 days to get my money back. I don't think I even kept it through the weekend. Hal Hammond's famous tightwad, still alive and kicking after all. In truth, I'd always had every intention of returning the game. But you know how it is when you make a purchase. Once it's out of the box and it actually takes time and energy to return it, it's easy to make excuses to hold on to it. I was ready to be blown away or to have the family say we couldn't possibly live without it. But I wasn't, and they didn't. And it goes back to something I said a moment ago. I said the family and I played around with it. By that, I mean I played, and then Tracy played, and then Kylie played. It is completely isolating. You can't even watch someone else play. You are almost literally in your own little world. And I think we have enough of that these days. Solo gaming is one thing. Sometimes I'm in the mood to play and no one else is. I have several games that play solo very well. I mentioned a couple of them on the podcast. But those are activities I can put down at a moment's notice when a chance to socialize with others arises. With Oculus, you're saying, go away, world. I had chosen to pretend you do not exist. Sure, you could say the same thing happens when you hole up in your bedroom with a good book or go for a drive in the country alone. But video games are habit-forming. Some might even say addictive. I can absolutely see a teenager obsessing over Oculus. And when it becomes rote, simply ordering more games for it. All of this is manageable, of course, either by the responsible user or, in the case of a child, the user's parent. Still, in our post-COVID world, I can't help seeing Oculus as part of the problem. We are made by God to be social creatures, and we are slowly turning ourselves into lab rats, spinning endlessly on wheels of our own devising, doing whatever we can to minimize our dependence on and attachment to other humans. I understand about introversion. I live in introvert's central headquarters. But God was right in the beginning, and he's right now. It is not good that man should be alone. If you're battling loneliness right now, your challenge is not to find a way of coping. That is surrendering to a subpar life. Your real challenge is to find real human fellowship. Don't settle for online conversations. Have real ones. Don't let social media define who your friends are. Reach out to real flesh and blood humans. Don't find a streamed worship service that's just as good as church. Cross the threshold, shake hands, build relationships. If you do that, I guarantee this will happen. You will find someone who is struggling every bit as much as you are. And by helping them, you will help yourself. It's part of bearing one another's burdens, as Paul writes in Galatians 6.2. You are not alone. Don't pretend like you are. Thank you for listening to the Citizen of Heaven podcast. Please rate, review, and share so others can access this content. I encourage you also to join the Heaven Citizens Facebook group. There you will find links to related materials, conversation starters, poll questions, and the occasional special announcement. Also, check out the Hal Hammonds channel on YouTube for even more content. Until next time, be strong and courageous, fight the good fight of faith, and do all things in the name of the Lord Jesus. This is Hal Hammonds, Citizen of Heaven, signing off.